0: Welcome to the ECTA podcast, where we think together about unity and solidarity, or ECTA, on campus. In the ECTA podcast, we take time out to listen to students as they share their stories about what has made them feel powerful and powerless in their university journeys, and to hear their thoughts on practical steps that we can take to create more inclusive spaces at UFE. Let's learn differently together. ECTA. Welcome to Ekta, a podcast about creating unity by understanding different learning experiences here at uh, the University of the Fraser Valley. So I'm grateful uh, to be here today at Civil Radio, uh, located on Though so My name is Victoria Sertiz. I'm the internationalization specialist here at UFE and I'll be your host today. And I am very excited to be here with uh, someone who I keep running into on campus over and over and over again. So I think it was a sign that we had to do a podcast together. Um, So I'm here today with Mehmet uh, Erkan, and he's an international student from Istanbul, Turkey. And he's studying history, media and communications.
1: Thank you. I am Mehmet. Uh, I feel really privileged to be in this episode thanks to Victoria. I would love to say that I feel really privileged to live in this uh, territory, and I appreciate their culture or simply their existence.
0: Yeah, thanks, Mehmet, and uh, thank you for all of those uh, nice compliments. See, that's why I invite students on and have a podcast. It's 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 for moments like that. Yeah, I figured.
1: <laughs> no, I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> so today we're going to be talking to Mehmet about his experiences. Um, talking about Turkey with other folks Um, but we're also going to learn about you know what he's loved on his journey and the importance to uh, of study abroad to him so everything from podcasting and yes he also podcasts um, and advocacy to cowboy boots I know unlikely right Um, but we're also going to be discussing a few ideas for engaging students from all different backgrounds and how to build some community in classes so should we do the first question
1: of course for sure
0: Okay, so maybe you can tell us a little bit more about Turkey then. Can you tell us um, just a little bit about where you're from and maybe why you decided to come to UFE?
1: Okay, I am originally from Turkey, Turkey, Istanbul. It is the only city that connects Europe and Asia together. My cultural background is a little bit complicated because I studied in Italian high school in Istanbul. So like now, like I can speak intermediate, like upper intermediate Italian, but back in time I was speaking like close to purely. I still speak, but it has been like six, seven years. I haven't spoken. So this is where I am from. And then the reason why I came to UFV was actually, uh, when I was, uh, 17, 18 in 2015, 2016, by the way, I am 25 years old. I was an exchange student in the United States in 2015-2016. My program is called American Field Service, AFS. The program started in World War I but not as a like exchange, cultural exchange. The American uh, American army or American government sent nurses to France in order to help people in France like the army or the soldiers. And then this started that way. And afterwards it transformed in like once they were interacting that much, they wanted to bring it also to like high school. So they expanded over like other countries. Now they are like operating in many countries. I became the part of them. And then the other element of why I became an exchange student. I didn't actually know about it after I applied. I, and I got approved from the program, but my mom became an exchange student in the United States, 48 years ago, in the same age as I did. So this was another thing. She went to Chicago and she studied there for a year. She stayed with a family. So this was one another thing. My grandfather used to be an English teacher. Yeah, I know maybe you can judge my English (laughs) by like grammar, but this is the reality. So there are multiple reasons why I became an exchange student in that year, in that place. If you ask me if I really wanted to go to the United States, I will say no. Because I wanted to go to like Latin America, especially Argentina or Iceland. But my mom said me like, you are either going Italy or like Spain and the United States. So I, I really wanted to like experience culture. And then I wanted to go other places. But in the end, we had like a list of five countries that we want to go. And the first one was Italy, the second one was Spain, and the third one was uh, United States. But, I mean, I got chosen by the United States. And then I was pretty surprised, like, how come this happened? Because, like, you don't expect to be chosen by the your, your third option. But it happened. And then, fortunately, I would say, it led me to be here today. Because I knew only limited English. Only to say, like, hey, how are you? like some colors, some objects, and that's all. I didn't have any proper skill to speak in English. So once I went to the United States over like nine months. So what I did was I attended high school. I went there on uh, October 15th. And then once I landed, I started experiencing cultural barriers. They took me to a host family, which I stayed for a couple days. When I went inside the house, they didn't want me to take off my shoes. This was one bear because in Turkey, like, we never go inside with shoes. I, after I stayed there a couple days, I actually lived in, like, New York City, Brooklyn, for one, one and a half months. And it was calm side of Brooklyn, but it was still New York City because I studied in, actually, Manhattan. The one interesting thing was to me the laundry like the building was really old so it didn't have laundry machine like system so we needed to go to a laundry store and then do the laundry there and then it was really surprising to me because i never had that experience before so cultural differences like kept going my language was as i said like very limited when i went to school i barely understood stuff the one word i remembered, like purpose I had difficulty to learn that particular word because I was saying purpose instead of purpose each time I said like purpose to someone they were looking at me and trying to figure out what I said but like I fixed that and now I am struggling with new ones and then after like staying in Brooklyn for one and a half months, I moved to suburb side of New York City, which was called Mamaroneck, and then I stayed also there around like two months. Uh, but I was still going to school in Manhattan, and afterwards I moved to Upper Town, which is called Poughkeepsie. It is a like indigenous name, I guess. It is like three four hours far from New York City, and then I actually ex- started experiencing stereotypical American school because the city school was like small they didn't have enough ability to provide huge gyms or like fields and then for my like second half of the study the view was like super stereotypical like American movie like uh, school it was big briefly this is this is my uh, experience in the United States and after telling this I think it is more Accurate to answer your question how I ended up in the United in UFV So after learning the language attending school It was just not enough anymore Once I experienced the feeling of being alone by myself This is like East Coast like the New York City is located in East Coast So I wanted to experience the West Coast instead I started looking at schools and I wanted to come to Canada because I had multiple friends who were really happy being in Canada. So I wanted to give a chance. And then obviously the cost is en- was another uh, element because like schools in the United States are like known as like extremely expensive for international students, especially. This was one another thing led me to be here today. And I checked the schools. I wasn't the best student in the school. Like I'm going to admit that. And then so I started looking at the schools I applied like multiple schools and I got uh, got approved from here and then I considered the distance to a like big city the weather and then the size of the school and then I found this school like smaller, so I kind of knew that I could have reached students and the instructors easier every almost every international student need that because. Like getting help is like super essential thing for us to like at least survive and stay like more focused on the classes. So this was my intent to do.
0: It's interesting that you that you mentioned that you actually did the research yourself and chose this school. So actually about 90% or, or higher of international students are recommended to UFP by agents. So um, students coming from from Europe in particular um, are maybe an exception to that rule where they do their own research and, and sometimes apply directly. Um, but it's actually quite unusual to hear that story. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. It sounds to me like like study abroad was really powerful for you, and that's something else that I hear reasonably frequently is that for a lot of our international students, it's not their first study abroad. This isn't the first time they've had an experience um, being out of country, learning something different. So maybe you listen to our podcast with Anna; um, she had studied in um, in the UK previously as well. Um, so it, it's not new for them. But for students that are in Canada, actually studying abroad is a really quite a rare occurrence. So uh, you may not know, but a study group on global education estimates that only about 11% of Canadians study abroad during their their degrees, their university degrees, and that's really low compared to other countries. So, for example, from France, 33% um, will have an abroad experience. Even Australia uh, is 19%. So in Canada, we're extremely low um, in that in that sense and may not have that same experience. So a a big difference there. And I I know you're a big advocate of study abroad and encouraging people to, to go so just as a plug for for what we offer here at the University of the Fraser Valley there actually are over 70 partner institutions with 28 um, countries and now of course post-COVID we're starting to see uh, students going again because that all stopped for a little while there um, with some concerns about international travel Uh, but we're seeing that that's starting to to come up again and so um Just a little plug here, since I know that that's something that you're passionate about.
1: Obviously, I am passionate because the things I have learned from being an exchange student just for a year was just like phenomenal. Like it literally built up my like personality. Whatever I have now, that like particular experience like led me to do whatever I am doing right now or whatever I have learned, whatever I have processed so far. I mean they are all connected to that year because I just experienced a lot. I had good experience, bad experience, I learned from those bad experiences, I enjoyed with the good experiences. I made like I made friends in one, like 2015 from like the another countries that I had no idea or I just had stereotypical information about those people and most of them turned out wrong and I'm still having like Loudly conversation with them. I met them like eight years ago and I still talk and then we still have like things to share. And negatively, when I first went there, I had so much expectation. Like, you know, the parties, like how they throw up parties in the movies. But when I went there, nobody re- even recognized me. I was say, like in my country, if an exchange student or like a foreign person comes to a country or a place, each I, each I turn into them. But, like, in the States, I was just a, like, normal person to them. Like, it didn't make any sense. To me, it didn't make any sense to them as well. They just, like, saw me as just a member of the place, you know? This little bit hurt my ego also. So, like, in order to, like, keep on and moving, you need to be hurt a little bit, right? And then you, like, slowly, slowly process, you are not... You are not the special one you know what i mean so like you actually need work in order to be that special one this was good like this led me to like prove even more so this is why i am a big big supporter of this event i would say i strongly believe this has to be it has to be like friendly advertised this opportunity has to be Literally part of the curriculum, maybe a week, internalization should be spoken because when we are looking at the companies today, like the Amazon, for example, it works everywhere. And I'm probably like they are looking for people who know about different places. Like this is like global area, global timeline, like global era, globalization era. So, I mean, if you are trying to understand the world, at least that will help.
0: I think Mehmet uh, you've um you've hit on something really important and and Canada has been trying as a country to to encourage Canadians to have international experiences um and now universities are putting in place specific policies to encourage that as well all sorts of different kinds whether it be you know a week a semester or a year and so I think um it is incumbent on us to think about, you know, how can we really encourage students to do these things? How can we support them? And not just financially, but um, in terms of their emotional needs, encouraging them, um, because it sounds like for you, it wasn't just about learning other about the other, it was about learning about yourself uh, a lot and understanding yourself better and who you are. And, and I think that's, that's just really important. So I appreciate you bringing it up. And I do want to come back to this question about stereotypes. So you talked a little bit about how that experience broke down your own stereotypes of uh, Americans. But I know we've also talked about how you've experienced stereotyping from others towards uh, your own community and your own culture. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about those kinds of experiences and then how you manage that, how you deal with that or respond to people who bring in stereotypical ideas about Istanbul or about um, Turkey?
1: (laughs) Uh, first of all, I would love to mention the language, and uh, I am from Turkey, and I am Turkish. I speak Turkish, I don't speak Arabic. Sometimes people expect me to really speak Arabic, and then whenever I don't speak Arabic, like, they just shock, and then they get sad. And then, like, I have few friends who were expecting me to speak Arabic those they so they could have, like, practiced, like, Arabic with me, but... This is mainly caused by the like the territory that we are kind of in the same place and then the religion, I guess. But like Turkish culture and like Arabic culture, yes, they have some similarities. Like the language has the similarities. Turkish culture has similarities with American culture as well. In some point, Canadian culture as well. Like British culture or like Japanese culture, like... They are all like connected because like for example Japanese and Turkish are in the same language family. Because how we speak the language is we say I to school go. So the verb comes to the end and in Japanese on same. So there are too many similarities with too many different cultures. So you can't just uh, minimize it to like Turkish Arabic you know. So this is the one. Think of course. If you give me one sentence of Arabic, there is no way I understand because I used from day one, I used to like use the Latin alphabet. So I I only understand this alphabet. And then I only understand the Turkish.
0: Okay, so what you're saying is that the that Turkish is written with a, an alphabet like English? Yeah, exactly. Yes, and so there's similarities there, and so you obviously can't read Arabic. And even if you could understand a little bit, because there are some similarities, um, you certainly couldn't read it. Um, so that's very interesting. And you may know I'm a, I'm a language specialist, so you're talking about word order um, when you're talking about grammar. So um, English is a subject-verb-object language, and it sounds like Turkish is a subject-object object verb language um, similar to Japanese and so that that is a, a huge difference for people um, so maybe could you teach us a little something in Turkish
1: okay <laughs> hello means merhaba which is similar with Arabic I but for example we have another term exact definition is what's up which is naber like naber means naber comes from ne haber. Ne, ne means like what and then Haber means like news. What, what is news? Something like that. in English, you say like WhatsApp or we say WhatsApp refers to like nabar. I mean, I think Turkish for today is enough. Yes, this. I think that's probably <laughs> enough Turkish for today. <laughs> well, that's all good. I appreciate good. you gave me the chance to say a little bit.
0: Well, people might wonder why I, I always try to ask our guests about the languages that they use. And um and I think it's important, maybe for me to share that, and and that's because you know English has, has had a, a significant power in in the world and um, a destructive power in many ways. You know, it's been English only policies have been used to erase hundreds and hundreds of languages, and particularly Indigenous languages. So when we have English-only spaces, um, it really is a colonizing way to understand and and communicate. And so I try to make spaces for other languages whenever I can. Um, I think it's one of the ways that we can show grace to others is by learning one or two words of, of a new language. Um, takes a risk, it's a little scary, because sometimes we sound a little dumb when we try. <laughs> but I think um, it's, a, it's a risk that pays off and that can change our, the, our way of thinking. Uh, so one thing I wanted to ask you about is that, of course, this semester, something obviously challenging happened in your home country, and that's impacted how you're engaging here. Um, so the, the earthquakes that took place on February 6th in 2023 Um, So for our listeners, if you didn't know, this earthquake caused an absolutely massive um, humanitarian crisis in northern Turkey and Syria um, with over 50,000 people losing their lives. And I think, you know, sometimes we forget how our international students can really be affected by the events that are happening in their home countries. So this year alone, many events worldwide impacted our students here at the University of the Fraser Valley, the protests in Iran um, over the death of um, Masa Amini. The ongoing war in Ukraine. So, these events really weigh heavily in the minds of our students that have ties to those places. Um, And they can also be, you know, have massive financial consequences, especially as exchange rates are shifting quite rapidly or access to funds can be cut off. So, I I thought, you know, Mehmet, if you're willing, um, I know that your home city and your family weren't affected by this, but could you? Um, perhaps tell us a little bit about how you've experienced this, how you've navigated that, the kind of support you've received or maybe would have liked to receive here, um, and some of the initiatives you're involved in now.
1: Thank you for bringing this up. Uh, This a little bit paralyzed me because, like, over time you were speaking, the things came up to my mind. So, I mean, yeah, my family is safe and sound. Like, they didn't experience, they didn't, physically experienced anything but you can't just say oh my family friends are good and then like i mean everybody can relate with that uh, so i'm not going to explain it even more so i mean sad the first time like the more we heard like from the media like the more like first couple weeks were like honestly horrible to me i'm like slowly slowly recovering like life went like horrible to me even though like I was trying to hide, I was trying to keep up with the life. I mean, my back, like my brain was like full of this, like all the time. So it wasn't easy to handle, especially when you are away, like you become more sensitive, you, you, this is what I know. So I become more sensitive to the things that happening in uh, my own country. So, but I mean, the situation is obviously bad trying to run fundraiser in school thanks to that honestly i found the turkish community in the school like in ufv i knew a few people but like we didn't have like lots of interaction because of life and now we are like actually like hanging out sometimes or we are like planning project we try to make awareness and then I am planning to host a karaoke night next week, hopefully. So those are the things that I and my friends have been trying to do. And then you also mentioned Iran and then Ukraine. I mean, those are the only ones that we like currently heard from the media. That there are even worse like <laughs> worse things happening in that particular area. I mean, the Syria has been in a huge conflict and like the Syrians, how they experienced and then they had to leave their home country and then, like, the people are dying. I mean, each day it becomes harder to harder to bear.
0: Yeah, thank you for mentioning that, Mehmet. And I know we have a number of uh, students who um, came to Canada as Syrian refugees here that um, come to UFE. And so they are also part of our community and it's good to remember them as well.
1: Of course, like, one of them is my friend, so... And then I got a chance to volunteer in Arch, Archway Community Services in back in 2019, 2020, before COVID. So I got some interaction and then I'm glad they are here. And then they definitely bring something else.
0: So is there something that you haven't done here <laughs> now that I know that you've been at Archway as well? Uh, wow, that's incredible. Um, so we've come to the part in the podcast where I ask you um, uh, what has made you feel, you know, powerful and powerless um, in your time here at UFE?
1: There are two people in my life, in my first period, that helped me to understand what Canada, Canadian life, Canadian culture is. One of them is Brett Party. I took like five classes with him. He's very impactful person in my life. The first class that I took with him was like mass communication in Canada 130, max 130, and then I learned how you evaluate Canadian culture. How do you specify it? This was like I was slowly, slowly learning how Canada is represented in like outside world. I mean, some people say to me. We have no history. Oh, this really like gets me frustrated. First of all, Canada has indigenous history. Second of all, Canada has settlers uh, history and then over time. And the third, there are people coming from each country. So they bring their own history. So back to the topic. So there are two people who influenced my life. First of all, Brett Pardee. Second of all, Aaron Levy who is the manager of this radio station. He really helped me to understand still like what Canadian music is kind of. Now I have like few Canadian artists that I really like to listen. For example, Dylan Ponders, he's a, he's a like rap artist. Modort, he's a rap artist. He's living in Vancouver, like he's a local artist. Thanks to, the, to those individuals. I actually got to learn what Canadian culture, Canadian, music, Canadian, anything is. I mean, this should be funny to you. The cowboy boots. I love them. Like, especially when they are like a little bit under the knee. And then they have like cool colors. And then especially the brown in the like, And then some other colors in the end. I love them. I checked the prices. They are pretty expensive, like 350 bucks to 400 bucks. I don't have budget, at least for now to handle that. But if anyone wants to be a sponsor for that, I accept sponsorship. (laughs) I literally do that. So this is one thing about how I try to feel powerful. So I engage with school and then even though like I can't handle with the language. I try to handle it with the events that I am doing. And then my English is obviously enough to do the basic like conversation. Just that I mean more than basic conversation if I am like talking here today, but you understand what I mean. So those things make me more comfortable and most more powerful. Today, I feel very powerful with the language because so far, probably I have been speaking good enough. For you to understand and engage, maybe, I don't know. But some days I speak horrible. I can't even bring two words together, especially when I write that down in my like assignments. And then my instructors tell me that I have to work on my grammar. But I don't know how to work on grammar from this time on. I'm like confusing what how to learn, what to learn. I mean, I read lots. But I still can't correlate. But if you have one like particular weakness, you start finding other ways that like shows you up in a good manner. I I, I knew that like uh, my English is not good, and I still know. So I change my focus to other things. I and I like sort of close this like missing part, and then I bring other stuff that can sort of equalize the situation.
0: So in those moments when you receive that feedback on your writing you know around uh, you know that you need to do better with your grammar or your writing is not good um, or not good enough in those moments how does that make you feel and then and and how do you respond to that so what have you been able to do or maybe what have instructors been able to do to support you through that?
1: In the beginning when I first heard about those I was feeling horrible like I was like super stuck like didn't know what to do now I just enjoy the process (laughs) no just kidding I am not I got used to this feedback so I'm not overthinking as I used to do anymore uh some some of my instructors really like they focus on my ideas more so I mean they take off some points but like they are not completely focused on the grammar Some uh, instructors are more focused on the grammar, so they take more points off. But the one thing is very getting complicated is like maybe I, I, I honestly I'm going to admit I feel like jealous for like the people who has good English in this country because they can write down an essay like 2000 word essay in a day or two. Uh, I can't do that like academic art the hardness of academic articles is like another level when I read a book I can understand the book but when I am reading an academic article the language is like it is not the English that I learned I take like days and days and days and then the more I get experience my brain is much likely to give up earlier so academic reading, academic articles, evaluating them, like sometimes using translation in order to understand what exactly it is. The translation doesn't give you a good answer all the time. So you need to take initiative and (laughs) write down whatever you understood. Once I struggled, like I wrote the I wrote a paper down, my whole energy is gone. So I, I don't even want to look at the assignment I did anymore. And Whatever I have done, I just sent and I save myself from this. I mean comes to me very hard job to do, go through it again and then check the grammar all those stuff and then send it back. Like I, I, I get really frustrated, really tired. And then there is n- it is not one and done. It is like five to ten. So I mean there is no way.
0: <laughs> so just as a ballpark figure so an estimate about how long would it take you to read an academic article
1: it might take days sometimes it takes like two three days sometimes it takes like five six hours because I don't know if it is a game of my brain the most important place I need to understand they turn out always the hardest part to understand so in order to understand I go through translation and stuff and sometimes it just doesn't make sense. So sometimes I can correlate because I have the basic information before. But if I am writing something new, good luck with that. So, because it will take like days.
0: Okay, so now thinking about those challenges in terms of reading academic articles, um, writing, managing the time what perhaps could faculty do to support you better during that process? What are some things that they might be able to do to help you um, be perhaps more successful or manage that process in a different way?
1: I learn from them a lot. I am not going to lie because the more research I do, I the more broad like knowledge I get. But I'm ruined in the end. My mental health is not okay. My physical health is not okay. I mean, it shouldn't be that painful to learn for a simple thing I shouldn't be making that amount of sacrifice so what I am thinking is uh, recently I figured the importance of games honestly I really find the importance of the games referring to Brett party again I took his like video game classes and then we went through like how we can use those or should we use games in the classes? they appear to me, of course, why not, yeah, at least to understand the basic idea sometimes. Because reading, 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 like each week, I I honestly skip most of my readings because I, I, I'm I, getting tired. In order to like avoid that, we should really include games inside the courses. I recently like played Jeopardy in like LaMT Baker and then it was really good. I mean, I got really ambitious, honestly. I didn't attend the second event because I got so ambition ambitious in the first one. But I really enjoyed the Jeopardy. So, so those games can literally be used in order to understand what is going on. I think that will make everything much easier and understood.
0: Thank you. So that's... Um that's called gamification, gamification of learning. And um, there's, there's a big body of research about that and how that's quite effective. And I think part of gamification is um, the requirement to really interact with knowledge, right? Like you play with it, you interact with it, you use it in creative ways. And Um, I think there's something to be to be said about that Um, and what you've mentioned here a lot is in the games is around unpacking some of the language and unpacking some of the concepts in sort of a a fun way and that that might support maybe even um, academic reading as well uh, if that's a requirement and something that needs to happen. So I appreciate you sharing um, all of that with us today and um, and for making us laugh as well. (laughs) I hope. (laughs) I hope you find sponsors for your cowboy boots. (laughs) I really look forward (laughs) to it. Well, again, thank you so much, Mimet, for sharing your experiences. And um, if our listeners today have questions about the episode or they'd like to reach out um, to suggest some topics for future episodes, uh, please do get in touch with me. My name is Victoria Surtees. The last name is S U R T E E S at ufv.ca. That's my email address. And please, of course, if you found this show interesting or useful, do tell a friend and uh, let's learn differently together. Thanks, and until next time, thank you, Mehmet.
1: Thank you, Victoria, for giving me this opportunity.
0: icTA is hosted by UFE's Teaching and Learning Center and sponsored by UFE International. Music by St. Soldier. No matter how
1: long it takes us, no matter how much this world breaks us, may we live here in peace, live here as one from Bolivia to Greece, from India to
0: Canada and everywhere between. Namaste to everyone I see. Namaste, I recognize that it's one. Namaste the suffering is done suffering is done suffering is done. hey oh namaste hey oh namaste hey oh namaste hey oh namaste hey yo, namaste